Welcome to the Success in South Carolina podcast, where we will be hearing the untold stories of success from some of the top achievers in our home state of South Carolina. These neighbors of ours will also share their time-tested personal philosophies and solutions to inspire us, educate us, and help us find peace, joy, and love, along with a purpose, a mission, and a vision for our lives. And I'm your host, Jonathan Peoples. Our guest today lives in Greenville, South Carolina. This wife, stepmom, and business owner has called the upstate her home for 11 years. She is a proud Virginia Tech Hokie in the land of tigers and gamecocks. She's passionate about living full, well-rounded lives, and she works with companies to retain, engage, and develop their employees. Because when we learn to integrate work and life well, we can all dare to thrive. I am excited to share her story and her wisdom with all of our listeners. Welcome to the show, my new friend, Jen Chacon. Hey, Jen. Hi. Great. I'm glad, to today. <laughs> glad I still got you here. Uh, yeah. Jen, you owned the company Dare to Thrive. What does it mean to truly thrive in this modern world? Oh, goodness. That's a great question. And I learned a lot about that the last couple of years, actually. <laughs> so... To me, thriving, it's really when we are doing well in all areas of life, like all cylinders are firing and we are learning to navigate the craziness that life will throw at us in the best way possible. Not perfection, not to be confused with perfection at all. And so it's an ever evolving situation that we're in of just learning what does thriving look like for us in every season of life. And how is that different than just surviving? Because I know here with all the craziness going on in the world, most people are just set on surviving and not necessarily thriving. What's the difference between them? Oh, there's huge difference. (laughs) Surviving is your head's barely above water. Right. You are probably feeling overworked, overwhelmed, tired. There's just not enough time for anything in life. You are probably snapping at friends and family. You go to work with your mind half on work and half on the 8 million other things going on at home. And when you're thriving, you're able to have a little more clarity in your life of what's really important to you. You're able to have a mindset that moves you forward. You're able to see a lot of gratitude and where things are actually going well in your life. You're able to have healthy relationships and you're able to focus on things like your personal health and your finances and doing well in your job for both yourself and your employer and the people that you're serving. And so all of those pieces start to work together to help you feel like life is moving forward. I'm flourishing. I'm growing instead of, whoa, I'm not sure I'm going to make it through the day. So you've had ups and downs in this journey, Jen. Can you speak to that, especially here in the last couple of years, you've had some. I really have. 2021 and 2022 were very hard for me. I had gone through a couple of phases in my career and with where my business was going, I had started as a leadership coach. I had evolved to a health coach and 2020 really showed me I did not like doing work all virtually. <laughs> I wanted to be around people. I enjoy friend uh, groups and dynamics. And so I started to shift what that business looked like. And in doing that, I needed to, of course, shift my message. Mm. And I struggle with that. And so struggling with that message put me into this place of fear because I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. And every time I'd work on it, I'd get more and more confused and fearful. And the more fearful I got, the more my confidence took a hit. Mm. And then I'm like, can, do I even know what I'm doing? Am I able to do this? And it was a really 
challenging year for me to figure out what did this new evolution of my work look like? How did I take all the skills and resources that I had accumulated over the year and put them together into something that made sense? And I was also really struggling with lack of focus, to be honest. Yeah. My brain couldn't seem to hold on to a thought. Fear does that to you, right? Right. And so just even getting any work accomplished felt really challenging each day. I'm a high achiever. And so that felt very uncomfortable for me. Mm. And so really working through that year was hard and confusing. And at times I just wanted to give up, but it was also one of the most rewarding years to really be able to figure out what do I want to do and what does that look like? So sometimes I was reminded that those challenges are what make us stronger and able to then help others as well. And how is that? uh, Speak to that a little bit, that going through the valleys of life somehow help you gain character or strength, Jen, because I know I've heard that with a lot of the stories of people that have come on here on the podcast, that sometimes the hardest struggles that you go through end up getting you to where you're wanting to go anyway. Yes. Speak speak to that a little bit. Like, how does that work out? <laughs> Some days I wasn't so sure, to be honest. There were times in the middle when I'm like, this is not working. I'm, I'm, I'm going in circles. I actually, sure. the, the word I kept writing in my journal was, I feel like I'm spiraling. Like I'm just going into this big circle. For me, a lot of it was my faith. I had faith that I was put here for a bigger purpose. And when you have a bigger purpose, like it's there somewhere, you just have to uncover it. So that was helpful to me. Um, it was funny as a coach, a lot of the things that I share with other people as tips on how to move forward. I had to really apply to my own life in much deeper and more meaningful ways than I ever maybe had. And it it actually kind of challenged the tools that I use and maybe made me really say, do these things work? Because I've been sharing these things with people and here I am really being tested for the biggest time. And so applying those tools and skills helped me to come out of that funk, I'll call it, and Part of that is looking back at what you've learned. Part of that is looking at failure as a necessary part of the process and not an indication of who you are. Hmm. I have a new grandbaby and hope, you know, he'll be walking one day soon, we hope. And I, I often use the analogy, we don't expect babies to just be able to get up and walk. Like they're going to fall down over and over and over again. And as parents or grandparents, we cheer and applaud when they fall down. And it's like, just get back up. And so being able to apply that same kind of concept to my life of, okay, that didn't work. What do I need to do today differently? And then a big one for me was celebrating the win each day. What did I do well? What did I get accomplished? And most days when I would stop to look at that, there were actually more wins than during the day I'd realized. And so it, it made me remember that we all have little steps we're taking forward each day, even as tough as life feels. And if we're willing to celebrate those wins and look for the gratitude, we are able to move forward and get ourselves out of that funk and spiral. I'm trying to itemize all these. I love lists, Jen. So <laughs> I got the last couple celebrating the wins, gratitude, counting, counting the wins. What were some of those other main things? A lot of other people are going through these funk right now with so many layoffs here recently. I've got lots of friends that are just going through career changes and spiraling. I think you said the word spiraling, that 
if you've been a high achiever your whole life and you go a month and then that month turns into two and that month turns into three and that six months or however long it may be, it can seem overwhelming sometimes. So what are those things? Can, can you help me list those things again? I know you meant you went through them, but let's list those things. Gratitude, celebrating the wins. What were the other bit major ones that people can do? So one is to look at your failures as the opportunity to learn. And that one's hard. I don't like failure. <laughs> Most of us don't. But being able to say, okay, that didn't work at all. What do I need to do differently? And asking it in that way, what do I need to do differently? Mm. A big one for me is just assessing where you are right now. What is going well? What are some areas that are struggling? Sometimes we can lump everything together in one big ball and all of life is out of control. And it's really one or two things maybe that are really the major factor that is stressing out every other area. So assessing where you are, I like to use in coaching, I use seven different areas of life. I use fitness, which is your overall health, your field, which is your career, your finances, your family, your friends, your faith, and what you do for fun. And if you kind of look at all seven areas and say, what's going well in these areas? And what can I maybe tweak a little bit? And how do they start to blend together? Mm. Uh, like a lot of us will say as adults, like fun has to be like its own separate bucket. And I say, well, where can you add fun to all those other six areas? And then you don't have to make it feel like it's a separate thing. So finding the fun in all of these, in this process is big. Part of the gratitude. So to me, the gratitude, the wins and the fun are all kind of tied in a, in a little packet there. If you can sit down and even in 10 minutes a day, say, what am I grateful for? What went well today? What did I, what did I do well? And where did I have a little bit of fun? Or where can I have fun tomorrow if I didn't have fun today? That's a great way to end your day and help you sleep better and get ready for the next day. And that helped me a lot not have that night of just no sleep. Yeah, because I was stressed because I was spiraling. So that's one of my favorites is just to end your day on that positive note where you can really look at what are the good things in life? And then you get a better night's sleep. Gratitude is such a vital piece to success, Jen. I'm glad you brought that up. It's so, so, so overlooked. I feel like so many people are, they've got this hustle lifestyle, mm -hmm. but they all, but the, a lot of people forget to count our blessings. Where am I at right now? I'm glad I was born in America. I'm lucky to have the parents I had. I'm lucky that I've got the friends I had. I'm lucky I've got the the fitness level I have. And and hey, I may be out of shape, but I can walk. I can breathe. I mean, all these things to count our blessings about. And you mentioned within there too, you mentioned you have a bigger purpose that, that you keep on your mind. What is that bigger purpose, Jen? I feel like my purpose is to help people thrive. I look around and so much of the world really is in that place of just surviving, especially over the last couple of years. I have a passion for the workplace. Uh, I used to be a workaholic, so I have to be careful with this. But I heard the statistic the other day that we work an average of 90,000 hours in our lifetime. Wow. And that's a lot of hours. And so I really love the integration of the workplace and our own lives. And how do those two dovetail to A, help us live out our purpose through our work, but how does work also not suck the life out of us so that we can have a life outside of work? And so my purpose, I feel, is really helping people look at how do we thrive? Like you just said, every one of us can think of so many things we have to be grateful for. 
And to me, the world seems like a better place with more of us thriving than when less than with less of us thriving. So mm. in a way, each one of us that it chooses to step into the opportunity to thrive, to learn what does that look like in my life brings up other people around them. It's that analogy of raising the boats around you, because as you thrive, you're automatically going to help other people thrive yeah. and give them that opportunity to say, well, oh yeah, he's so grateful about all those things. I, maybe I should try that. And so that's really my purpose. How do I help people learn how to thrive? And you talk about work-life integration, not work-life separation or balance or whatever. Dive into that a little bit, Jen, because I know you've had some posts here recently on LinkedIn about work-life integration, how important that is. It is huge. So I, as I said before, I was a workaholic. I loved my job. I was in a nonprofit and I absolutely loved it. The first 20 years of my life, it was everything for me. I had every other ball in my life wasn't just not in the air. It was, they were all laying around me on the floor. Mm. So while I can see where people enjoy their work, I also see people, of course, that hate their work. Mm. Either way, it impacts our lives way more than most people want to admit. I've seen it impact families when a dad hates his job so much that he comes home at night miserable. He is snappy with his kids. He complains all during dinner. So now their only perception of work is, oh, this is going to be terrible. He's so tired after dinner, he just sits in front of the TV and veggies with a beer or whatever. And I've seen actually real life transformations where a husband has gone and gotten a different job. And now dinner is him laughing and joking with his family and him playing ball with his kids after dinner outside. And the impact that that made on a family just because of how he perceived his work. And so those stories are everywhere. We can all think of people who are so miserable with their jobs that it's impacting their health and their mindset and everything else. And so when we're able to integrate work with life, we're able to find work that we enjoy or work that at least doesn't suck the life out of us. And we also find how the rest of our life still is able to revolve around that and blend with that. And so part of that to me is the employer's responsibility to create a work environment that's healthy and learn what does that look like? What does that look like? <laughs> well, it looks like what, what we would call a, a, a culture of cohesion. Okay. And it's really three things. And it, we make it so complicated. It's really, do people feel like they belong? Hmm. Do they feel like they're valued and bring value to their team? And are we all working towards a shared mutual commitment? Does, like, does it make sense what we're all here doing? Mm. If the work I'm doing shows no connection with anybody else, it's like, why are we all here? Am I not necessary or are they not necessary? Yeah. And so creating that culture automatically, if, you, if you're creating a culture where people are valued and belonged, then you are creating an atmosphere that says, we want you here. Yeah. And if we want you here and we value what you're doing, we also want to make sure that you're the best version of yourself so that this all works together. Is a lot of that about creating a vision for the company that that all the employees understand and are bought into? Or what, what does that look like, Jen? So it starts with people. Honestly, it starts with people talking to each other. Okay. You'd be surprised at how many companies, no one even talks to each other. They don't walk in in the morning and say, hello, how's it going? Hey, John, how's your day? Yeah. <laughs> There's just this complete 
separation and remote work has of course made that challenging too. Mm. So they don't feel like they belong because they're not talking. So part of it just starts there. And yes, it is about creating the vision. What are we all doing? And a lot of times to the upper level management, it makes sense what everybody's role is, but there's no communication of how does my role impact your role? Mm. How does your role impact mine? And oh, you know, it makes a lot of sense that our customer sees X, Y, and Z when you and I work together well. So going into companies and in a fun way, helping them see how we can start to shape their culture into one that really creates that engagement they're all looking for. But it also, it doesn't change the culture because, you know, an engineering company is going to look different than a fast food restaurant or whatever. They're each still going to have their individual culture, but those three dynamics are still key to any type of company. And so helping a company learn, I, I can do this and it's not brain surgery. It's stuff we can do each and every day kind of makes it feel a little more manageable and doable. So if I'm an employee, not an employer, mm-hmm. how do I get this work-life integration for myself? Is it about changing my job or is there something I can do to change the way I do my job or do I just need to change companies that I work with? How do I get this work-life balance or not balance, but integration to where I can come home and have fun with my kids and, and have dinner. And it's not just clocking out and I need to veg out and watch TV and just check out of the world. How do I make that happen as an employee? Yeah. Well, and it depends. In some cases, an employee might be in such a toxic environment that they have no control over that it might be time for them to look for other things. And I did a workshop once where we talked about just even considering looking for another job can make a person feel better because it's opening the eyes, their eyes to the fact that they have a choice. When we mm. feel like we don't have a choice in life, it makes us miserable. And so just even saying, well, what are my options? Yeah. Now, a lot of people resigned from their jobs over the last two years and ended up in jobs that were as bad or worse <laughs> than when they were in before. So that's not always the answer. So do you recommend people people shop around while they still have a job then? Don't, don't quit yeah. first. Yeah, ideally, It's always easier to find a job when you already have one. <laughs> Absolutely. But then there's also the opportunity to look at yourself and say, am I showing up the best way I can in my job? Am I making the job as healthy of an environment as I can? What am I doing? What's my responsibility here? Am I the one who's not talking to anybody at the office? Could I go in and start some conversations? Am I not asking for help? Am I not communicating well with my supervisor what I do need? What is your own role in the situation to say, how good of an employee am I actually being to my employer? Because my thought is, even if your employer is not who you want to be with long term, if you're giving your best work to them every day, most every day, that's going to make you, it's going to make it easier for you to find other work as well, because your skills are still sharp. Your attitude is still sharp. If you get to that point where you're the quiet quitter over there doing about 50% outcome uh, output, that's what you're going to give to your next job as well, because you've now created that habit of that's how I work. And the other piece too, is to, I think, look at what are the boundaries you're creating on work and life? And are you looking at those other areas of life? So like when I was a workaholic, I wasn't paying any attention to those other areas. So it was only my fault that my health wasn't doing well and that my relationships were terrible. That was totally on me because I just wasn't paying any attention to them. 
So even just beginning to say, what's going on in these other areas of my life? I'm not happy with my job, but am I letting that affect my marriage when I get home or my kids? What can I do to give a little separation there between work and dinner time where I can kind of let off some steam before I let that steam off on my kids? Yeah. So there's always things, whatever your situation that we can start to say, what's my responsibility in this and how do I keep moving my life forward? And speaking of, I know quiet quitting is a, a buzzword that's big out there right now. Is that, first of all, can you speak to what does that look like? What does that even mean? And then let's, can you unpack for us? Is that, is that the fault of the company? Is it the fault of the employee? Is it a, is it a mindset within society? What is it all of these things? What is that, Jen? Oh, that's such a great question. And I think it's a lot of those things. It it has become a bit of a mindset. I kind of define it this way. We've got old school management. Management systems are still very much set up based on the industrial age when we were making widgets. Mm. And it was show up, do your job, don't ask questions, just make the widget. Now, most American companies are way more customer based. We are facing customers. We are having to interact with them. We're having to troubleshoot with them and please them and do all those things. That's a very different position than make a widget. And our management styles have not caught up with that. Mm. And our management styles haven't caught up with that because that's all we know. That's all we've ever done. And so your current managers, like that's how they were taught. And when I first came out of college, it was, you know, when you had a boss, it was my way or the highway. Like, if you don't like it, go get another job. Well, now we've hit this place. Uh, COVID, of course, shook everything up. You've got millennials coming in going, well, that doesn't make much sense. And I saw the way that my parents worked 20, 30, 40 years at a job they didn't necessarily enjoy. They were cranky when they got home with me as a kid. And then they thought they were going to retire at 65. But oops, we really don't have enough money now to do that. And they kind of missed out on all of life. And millennials went, that doesn't seem very smart. Yeah. And they wanted something different and they pushed back, but management didn't know what to do with that. And millennials didn't even necessarily know, well, what does that actually look like? Yeah. And then again, you now, now you, we've thrown COVID into the mix and remote work and just the world craziness and the fears and everything else. And to me, it's, it's hit this point of, we've got to make some serious changes in the way we look at our workplaces. Hmm. We've got to be willing to say, People probably aren't going to work for us for 40 years. What do we do with the current staff that we have? How do we help them be the best employee that they can be for us? How do we grow them and nurture them so that they want to stay and they want to help our company grow? And that to me creates a win-win because when your employees are growing and successful and helping you grow as a company and be successful, by default, your customers are being served well. And now all of us in the mix are part of a a great environment of work and life and where we go for our businesses as well. What do you think are some of the top two or three things companies need to change to make that culture match with today's society? Under that umbrella of the belonging, the value and the commitment to a shared, uh, that shared mutual commitment are the things like, what does it look like your hiring practice? Yeah. Are you, are you making people jump through hoops? I went through an interview once. We, I had nine interviews for a position. 
and it just felt like the craziest, longest process. Mm. What do the first couple of days look like on the job? Right. What is your onboarding practice? Does a person immediately feel welcome and comfortable and like, wow, this was the right move? Or do they immediately think this was a mistake and I need to already start looking? Yeah. Statistically, they say a lot of people within the first three days of their job have already decided they're going to look for something else. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I know a lot of companies out there, you're kind of thrown to the wolves right away that Absolutely. there's not really a training process. There's not really an onboarding process. It's, Hey, we've got your I nine, your W two, whatever. Great. Start your job. It's like, well, they aren't even given direction. They aren't even told what, what am I doing? They aren't ta- taught the vision, any of that stuff. So I like that, that actually slowing down a little bit can help you maintain and engage and get these client, get these customers or not customers, but get these employees in the right position. Well, they need that. It's kind of like dating. <laughs> you know, you've, I, I talk about the work, uh, the employer employee relationship, a lot like dating, like the interview process is kind of that coffee date and get to know you and all of that. And then you hire them. That's like getting married. Would you, when you got married, immediately look to your spouse and be like, okay, good luck. I'll see you in a couple months. <laughs> Like you want to build a relationship and you want to have yeah. expectations and boundaries and what, what the heck are we doing here all together? Right. I think, so one of my biggest pet peeves in the workplace was always meetings. We would meet to death and we would always joke around and we could actually get our jobs done if we weren't meeting so much. And I hear that all the time in companies everywhere. So I yeah. think really assessing how you're meeting with people and it's really the dynamics have changed dramatically the last couple of years. So many people are remote. How are you using that to your advantage? How are you using that well? And are you asking your employees, what do you need and want from meetings? If it's just an information dump, a lot of that can be done through email or reports or whatever. Mm. I think that's a lot of what people get frustrated with in the workplaces, they feel so much of their work is redundant. Mm. And a lot of it comes down to communication. Are we communicating? Well, what do you really need from me as an employee? Right? Uh, what do I really need from you as an employer? And that should be an open dialogue. I think there's a big difference speaking of that of you can respect your boss and you should respect your boss because they're your boss. Yeah. But I also believe that a boss can't abuse that and just use it as I'm the boss. You should expect me. Like that's an earned respect. Mm. But part of that is a two-way street. And part of that is all of us learning to say, I have blind spots and things that I'm doing that I may not even realize. I have places I can grow and learn. Even if I've been in this company for 40 years and started it, I still have ways that I can learn. Uh, So no matter whether you're that first day employee or you're the boss, each day knowing I can learn from these people around me. What is the, what are the conversations we need to have in order to do that and keep growing? So let's pivot here real quick, Jen, because I I love everything you're saying so far. I want to get the Jen's gone through these valleys, these cycles, these ups and downs. You've gone through the struggles and the journeys and the victories. I'm sure to come out of this, you've probably created these maybe two or three fundamentals for the thriving or success in your life. Can you share what are those key principles for success that Jen has? Well, here's my top three. (laughs) One is to assess often, whether that's your workplace, your life, your marriage, your friendships. Always be looking at how are things going right now? 
and to really get that full view picture of what life's going on, because it's kind of like that old management saying, you get what you inspect. And so if you're not noticing, how are your finances doing? You never look in your bank account. You have no idea. If you're not asking your spouse, how are we doing here? Then you have no idea. And same way with every area of life. The second one I would say is the gratitude. I'm going to go back to that one. It actually has been scientifically proven to rewire our brains and helps us to see life in a more positive, moving more positively forward. And that's worth everything. And so taking that time for gratitude. But the third one I would say is don't try to be a lone wolf. Don't do life alone. And that is, again, in every area of life, having a mentor, having a coach, having friends, having an accountability partner, they, that may be their only role in your life is to be an accountability partner. When we get stuck in our own brains by ourselves, that is the most dangerous place to be. And that's another reason I think COVID was so impactful. The loneliness factor in so many ways was a challenge for people. And getting out of that space where you feel like you have to figure it out all on your own is powerful. And it's vulnerable and it's hard, but worth it every single time. It's a chore in a way to go out and do life with other people. Some of us, like myself, I almost, I like to work alone. I like to do things alone, but it's, it's, I have to remember I need other people and not just the relationships, but it's creating these bonds, this spirit with other people that we're not meant to live alone. It may be harder to do things with other people, because you've got other opinions or other points of view or other perspectives. Whereas if I just do it by myself, I can do it my way and get it done and be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was one of those kids in, in high school or college when we had a group project, like I would tell the rest of the group, just let me do this. I'll, I'll get it done. Yep. But that's, that's not how life actually works. No. And I can be very similar. And I'm also one of those that I have introverted tendencies. So I definitely need my alone time to recharge, but too much alone time And you get to that place where I was in that fear and that spiraling because the voices we speak to ourselves are not often very positive. We speak more negative words to ourselves than positive. So we need those people around us, even when, like you say, it can be really challenging to bring others into the picture. That's funny you mentioned speaking to ourselves. So this, the gratitude and then even the self-talk and stuff, I believe has a lot to do with, and I don't know how much you are a... Uh, an advocate of the law of attraction. You know, this came out in, in the mid mid to late nine, and I'm sure it was even out before that, but that they've done science on it. You talked about gratitude. It actually rewires your brains, but it actually, there's quantum mechanics that talk about it actually pulling things into your life, more things to be grateful for. So I love that you say being around other people that can help speak. So you're even choosing the right people, because some people, if they're always putting you down, well, you don't want to put that person in your life. That's not one of the people you need. Surround yourself with the people that are going to build you up and encourage you, right? Absolutely. So like part of that assessment that I was talking about, part of that's assessing your friends and the people in your life. Are they people moving you forward? Or like you said, are they speaking, are they holding you down? Are they speaking the negative back into you? So true. So assess often, have gratitude. Don't try to live life alone. Top three. Top three. Love it. Let's jump into a little bit about what you do, Jen. What type of, at at Dare to Thrive, you work with companies, you help them engage employees, you help them maintain the employees, and and what all do you do for these companies you work with? 
I have two pieces to it that I say kind of dovetail together. So the first piece is that company culture. So I work with a team and we go in and we do what we call out of the boardroom training because it's not you're sitting in front of a PowerPoint. It is interactive teaching people how to actually work together and work through the, the, those three components of belonging, value, and shared mutual commitment. And we work with them then to say, how does this now apply to your company? Like that's all well and good to say those things, but what does that mean each and every day when we come into your company? And how do you look at that and say, are we doing this well? What's working? What's not? The other piece that I do is personal development. So I come into a company and I do group coaching sessions where I help their employees work through those seven areas of life. Because the more your employee has a healthy life outside of work, the healthier version they're going to show up to work. So if you've got a person who is stressed about their marriage, their kids, their finances, their health, they're going to bring all that stress into work and they're only going to be half cognizant of what's going on. If you're giving them the tools to say, how do I manage my life in a healthy manner, then they're going to show up healthier for you. So I do that with a group coaching session. I have a cool digital app that people can use to create streaks and it kind of gamifies the whole, the whole uh, goal setting process, but it really helps them create and establish actionable goals. You know, we just finished New Year's where people are all, are you team resolutions or no, you never do resolutions. And part of the reason we don't do well with resolutions is we're terrible at setting them. We say things like, I'm going to get healthy this year. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? And how are you going to do that? And by when? And all those things. So helping people really look at what does goal setting look like? How do I start making noticeable improvements in my own life? and take responsibility for my life. It's just like when I was in that place at the end of last year, part of me shifting to a more confident place was me setting those goals and saying, what is it going to look like for me to move forward? Because each little bit of momentum we get in any area of our life starts to spill over into the others. Yeah. So you put all that together and you have a healthy workplace that's in wants to embrace their employees is the way I like to put it. And then you have employees coming in and going, Hey, life is great. I'm here to show up and be your employee. What do you need for me to do today? And so this is helping them set those goals for things at work or things outside of work in their regular life. Both. It'll give them the tools to set goals in any area of life. But we do want to look at that when a company talks about giving their employees tools for mindset, for the mental health, we've got uh, challenges going on. We see just our overall physical health is starting to really challenge workplaces and the healthcare costs. So as employees start to get healthier in all these areas, it's also impacting the company's bottom line as they have staff that don't need all the medical things that they're needing right now. Right, right. Without the, all the stress, you don't have as many medical issues. Absolutely. What types of companies do you work with, Jen? Technically, I can work with all of them because anybody that has a culture, but I really enjoy working with companies here in the upstate who have that small to mid-sized level of employees. So anywhere from maybe 40 up to 200 have worked with some larger teams. We just break it down differently by departments and things. Really, interestingly enough, the main qualification for a company to work with me is a company that realizes every single person in the company is part of this equation. In the past, I've had companies that 
the CEO or owner would say, yeah, go teach my staff leadership skills. They need that. And I'm like, well, you're kind of the number one leader. So if you'd be a part of this, like we can all learn together. And they'd be like, no, I don't have time for that. So it's really that company that says, we're all a part of this equation. We are all in this together. A lot of the top staff may have these same life issues going on of stress in other areas of life. So I think that vulnerability of everybody being able to see that. So it's really the willingness to say, we want to help our company grow by helping our employees grow. It doesn't matter if it's remote, hybrid, on-site, or are these factors in that? All are available. Most companies really enjoy doing it on site just because it's fun and they get everybody together. We've also done remote and virtual where people are from all over the country and I have traveled to other places as well. So we really try to be flexible to whatever the company needs. And where can people find you, Jen, and connect with you? They can find me at daretothrive.org and I would love to connect if a company is just curious about how this might impact them or what then what this might look like, I'd be happy to connect with them. All right, listeners, let's get out there and make our world, our country, and our community a better place. When you succeed, we all succeed. And as always, this is a friendly reminder that the left lane is for passing. So speed up or move over. <laughs>